Oh, feeling good this morning. Are you feeling good this morning? Um, I have this image in my mind of uh, my two boys who, if you don't know, uh, they were the drummer and guitar player today. But um, when they were like this high, uh, I used to be a worship leader, and they would show up to practice. And my oldest, I'm going to embarrass them a little bit, but I, he had this guitar-shaped fly swatter. And he would come up on stage with me, and he would pretend like he was pushing the pedals and the whole thing. And now he's doing it. And I want, I want you to, I just, man, I could preach 16 sermons on this right now. But this is what we're about. You are going to see more and more kids and teenagers take the lead in our church. They're going to, if you're a teenager here today, you come talk to me today. We will find an opportunity for you to be a contributor to this family of God in this church because we believe that the future is in them. What happened this morning was beautiful, but it was also a moment where you got to see the next generation of worship leaders take a step in that direction. And that's what we're all about. Okay, let's talk about repentance, shall we? Um, sorry. Oh, did I lose you now? All right. That's the line, right? That, you went too far, Pastor. All right, so today is uh, the first weekend of a season we call Lent. Uh, maybe you're familiar with that. If you aren't, a Lent is a Latin word that essentially means the lengthening of days. It's the season in March, usually in March and April, where we see the days get longer. Usually, uh, well, you know, in most places, the, the, the flowers begin to bloom, the trees begin to bud. We're beginning to see that here. And so it's in this season of Lent that we not just experience the lengthening of days, death uh, of life in our world, coming back to life, to new life, uh, but we also sort of take some time to reflect upon what is coming in us celebrating Easter Sunday. And beginning on Ash Wednesday, which uh, many of you were here on Wednesday and celebrated that, the, the season, this season is used as this opportunity to consider and reflect on our need of a Savior and the new life that springs up from him. And so during the season of Lent, it's customary to let go of things that uh, are maybe holding us back a little bit in order for us to allow the love and grace of Jesus Christ to, to fill its place. For example, um, some may choose to fast from food for 24 hours each week as a way of lessening their dependence on that survival need of eating to increase their dependence on God's fulfillment in their life, or some may choose to fast, say, from something that has a hold on them a little bit. Maybe it's social media, maybe it's sugar, maybe it's alcohol, or even sleep. I talked to somebody this week who said, you know what, like, I'm going to fast an hour of sleep in the next month and a half. Pretty cool way of doing it. But whatever it is, we're given an opportunity during the season to consider our relationship with Jesus, and our full dependence upon him, right? So ultimately, Lent is a season of repentance, which is a fancy word for turning or even returning. Repentance is a turning from one thing 
towards something else, though it's not used this way. Typically, if you were to stand up and start to walk toward that wall, and then you turned and you started walking back to where you came, it would be an act of repentance. In the Bible, that term is used not in a physical sense, but in a spiritual sense, a turning. Unfortunately, the word repentance can carry a lot of baggage with it. Even when I said, okay, let's talk about repentance. Many of you went, oh, man, like, whoa, like, really, that's where we're going today. Hearing someone say repent, it sounds condemning, even judgmental. And rightly so. Its use in our culture in the American church has often been abused. It's been a word. It's been an action or ability to conform people to societal ways that we have constructed. Repent of the way you're doing so you can be more like us. And it has become sometimes a weapon that's wielded to try and control people, to try and get them to be like us. And as a result, when we often hear the word repent, you know, the hair stands up on the back of our necks and we get these images of our past that maybe have been negative, and they come to mind, and there's this visceral reaction to its unintended meaning. But I'm here to tell you that repentance was never intended to be seen or experienced in the way that many of us have experienced it. The scripture's use of the word repent and repentance is quite the opposite of what we have come to know. In fact, repentance is so contrary to our knee-jerk reaction to the word, that without it, we are missing out on something we all deeply crave and desire. You need repentance. You need repentance. No, no, no. You crave repentance. So I'm going to take us a moment and just pray for our time together, because it's a, it's a good subject for us this morning, I think. And I want to invite God's Spirit to come and to really allow us to learn and reframe and give us a new perspective of this life-giving word we call repentance. So let's pray together. God, we thank you for gathering us in this room this morning to hear from your word. We are grateful from what we just witnessed. I know, God, that as we sang this morning, there was an enormous smile on your face knowing that we, the people of God, love you so much that we would allow and empower the next generation to come up and to lead us. It brings you great joy to see that. In this time this morning, I pray that you would speak straight to our hearts. God, that you would show us not just the need that we have for repentance, but the very fact that we crave and desire it for our lives. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, as Joe said, we've been in this series in the book of Acts, and so if you've been around uh, any of the weeks uh, since the beginning of the year, you know we've just been taking our way, taking our time through the book of Acts, and we are now making our way through Acts chapter 3. And so if you haven't already, I invite you to open up the Version app and follow along with our passage today. Uh, go ahead and download it or search under more for events. If you're in your Bible, we're going to be in Acts chapter 3 starting in verse 17, okay? So just a little recap as to where we've been, because it's important to understand, especially in Acts chapter 3, we've been split it, we split it into three different parts. They all sort of fit together and are leading to where Peter is going to lead us today. So in Acts chapter 3, Peter and John, they're headed to the temple to pray at 3 o'clock. 
And as they approach the temple gates, they see this man who's crippled sitting near the entrance, and he's begging for his income. This is how he makes an income. And so they notice him, which was un, you know, not really normal because most people just walked by him. Maybe they threw a coin at him, but they notice the man. And, and Peter even says, look at us. He looks at him intently, and then he says, I'm going to give you what, are you ha- what I have, and it's the name of Jesus, which is going to heal you, and the man is healed. And as we read the story, the man is healed, and he runs through the temple, and he's praising Jesus, and he's you know, telling people, these guys outside, they healed me. The people recognize him because he's always there, right? He's always sitting by the temple gates, and so they're like, this guy got healed, and then Peter and John are just hanging out outside, and the guy runs back outside, and he grabs them, and he hugs them, and as, they, as this is all happening, this crowd begins to gather around them, people who are like, what is going on? hundreds of people surrounding Peter and John and this man hugging him. And in that moment, Peter sees, it says, an opportunity, an opportunity to tell them about Jesus. I just spilt my water everywhere. That's wonderful. Uh, It's okay. We're getting into it. And so noticing their presence, Peter takes an opportunity to go and to talk to these people who are there And he tells those looking on about the person and the power and the name of Jesus. And after all, there was this misunderstanding among those who were in Jerusalem at the time about who Jesus really is. Remember, only days, few weeks prior, they were standing in the same streets yelling, crucify him, crucify him. And now they're seeing his first disciples, Peter and John, heal people in his name. And there's a misunderstanding. There's a tension going on here because who they thought Jesus was, he was this this outcast who was threatening their way of life, is now this life giver who's performing miracles all around them. And so Peter sees this opportunity to call them to a new life in the name of Jesus, which brings us to our text today. In Acts chapter 3, verses 17 and following, Peter says, Friends, I realize that what you and your leaders did to Jesus was done in ignorance. But God was fulfilling that all the prophets had foretold, what all the prophets had foretold about the Messiah, that he must suffer these things. Peter Peter begins the section of his speech to those listening, and he says, I understand that you didn't really know what was going on, that, that, that you did, what you did was done in ignorance. Right? Even Jesus says when he's upon the cross, he says, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they're doing. There was an ignorance, right? There was sort of this mob mentality where it's like, well, if he's going to yell it, I guess I'll yell it too. This must be the right thing. And now they're seeing a different side to who this Jesus is. In fact, Peter says God is in those moments of their ignorance. He was doing exactly what was needed in and through the death of Jesus so that they could now have an opportunity to experience and fully understand him for who he really is, which is why Peter says what he says next. Verse 19, he says, Now repent of your sins and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped away. Then times of refreshment will come from the presence of the Lord, and he will again send you Jesus, your appointed Messiah. For he must remain in heaven until the time for the final restoration of all things, as God promised long ago through his holy prophets. Moses said, the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your own people. Listen carefully 
to everything he tells you. Then Moses said, anyone who will not listen to that prophet will be completely cut off from God's people. Verse 24, starting with Samuel, every prophet spoke about what is happening today. You are the children of those prophets, and you are included in the covenant God promised to your ancestors. For God said to Abraham, through your descendants, all the families on earth will be blessed. When God raised you up, his, raised up his servant, Jesus, he sent him first to you, the people of Israel, to bless you by turning each of you back from your sinful ways. Now, there's a couple of things I want you to notice that Peter says to the people of Israel and Jerusalem. The first is that he tells them that the promise that they were given, right, is still intact. That hasn't changed. He even uses the words of Moses from the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 18, to help them connect the dots between God's promise in the Old Testament and what is happening right before their very eyes. The promise given in Deuteronomy 18 has been fulfilled in the person of Jesus, and now they have an opportunity to experience, Peter says, the benefits of that promise. The second thing I want you to notice is what Peter instructs them to do in order to receive the benefits and the promise given in Deuteronomy 18. What does he say they need to do? He says, repent of your sins and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped away. Peter is saying, listen, the promise is here. This thing that we've been talking about from generation to generation, the coming of the Messiah, the Son of God, the One, the Savior of the world, He has come, He has lived, He has died, He has resurrected, and now you you are now the beneficiaries of this promise. You can receive it in its fullness. The only thing you have to do is repent, turn, and you'll receive what you've all been looking for which he talks about in verse 20. He says, repent and turn back to God. And what does he say? You will receive. He says, then times of refreshment will come from the presence of the Lord. And he will again send you Jesus, your appointed Messiah. Now, keep in mind, up until this point, the Jews have lost sight of the spirit of God's word for them. The law of God that's given in the Old Testament was given as a way to invite them into a relationship with God. But instead, they have turned it, twisted it into these lists of rules and regulations that they must follow that has left them feeling burdened and exhausted and overwhelmed. Over 600 laws that were given to them as a way for them to experience the presence of God and a relationship with God have been turned on their head. So now it's just follow these rules and then God won't kill you. God won't destroy you. God won't ignore you. And it's left them feeling burdened and exhausted and not good enough and not worthy enough. Maybe like some of us in this room. God's love prompted him to give them this word to fuel their lives. And instead, they were forcing their own efforts 
to bring about the love that they'd hoped from God, and it just didn't succeed. What was intended to bring them joy and rest brought them shame and exhaustion. My family has two gold retrievers, um, Douglas and Louis, and uh, Louis was added about nine months ago, and he is a puppy in his fullness, right? He's energetic, he's fun, he's destructive, and he is the personal trainer of our eight-and-a-half-year-old golden Douglas. Yeah, he keeps him slim and trim. But here's the thing about Louis. I think he's defective. There's something not quite right with him. And what I mean, no, I'm, listen, it's true. What I mean by that is that he doesn't live up to his breed's name. So occasionally in our small backyard, um, I'll go out and I'll, I'll play with him. And I'll grab one of his balls and I'll throw it to the other side of the yard. And he immediately runs at full speed and he chases the ball. Now, Louie is a golden retriever, which means that he has been bred for centuries to chase after something and then return it back to the person, his master, right? But I think maybe he's not defective. Maybe he's just an innovator. Right? Maybe he's trying to do something new with his breed because he's not really a golden retriever as much as he is a golden keep Okay, Because when I throw the ball, he chases it down, picks it up, and then he waits for me to try and get it away from him. This is not how this is supposed to work. And every time I do this, I tell him, Louie, you would enjoy this so much more if you would just do what you're supposed to do, what you've been bred to do for generations, and bring them all back to me, you would have so much more fun in this game, and I would enjoy it. I would enjoy you. I wouldn't want to kill you in these moments. Because what my dog is actually looking for, right, when he returns back to me, he finds. What my dog is actually looking for is for me to play with him, and it only happens if he turns and he returns back to me. Playing keep away doesn't actually allow him or me to enjoy our time together, and eventually I give up, right? Peter says, repent of your sins and turn to God. Why? Because what you're looking for in this life is only found in him. Peter says, then times of refreshment will fill you. Listen, refreshment is on the other side of repentance. You hear that? Refreshment is on the other side of repentance. We think shame is on the other side of repentance. Pain is on the other side of repentance. Blame. But God says refreshment is on the other side of repentance. When we turn and we return back to our master, we find what we're really looking for. Our hearts and our minds and our souls and our bodies crave refreshment, renewal. We have lived our lives in the brokenness of our world and our own sin long enough, and it has left us feeling, be with me on this, exhausted and worn out and tired. 
If you have watched the news for any length of time this week, you have been left exhausted, worn out, and tired. And yet we are prone, we are prone to play keep away with our lives, aren't we? Instead of turning and returning back to our master, we play keep away with God. We go to things that were never intended to give us the refreshment that only God can give us. And it's like we're playing keep away with God. God keeps calling us back, and we just keep saying, no, I'm going to go here, and I'm going to go there. And God is like, no, the refreshment you want, you desire, it's over here. Do you see now why you crave repentance? It is only in repentance, a returning back to God, that we find the refreshment we are so desperate for. The Jews in the first century had grabbed the ball and gone their own way. And now Peter is telling them, repent, return back and go to your master. Turn back to Jesus, your creator. It is the only thing that will bring you the refreshment your entire being is crying out for. I was reading this passage this week. And I just started seeing the world different. Because I noticed not only in myself the things that I look for refreshment in that are not God, but I started noticing where the world looks for those things as well. And it's so easy for us to get caught up in that, whether it's money or fame or power or promotion or friendships or relationships. We're always looking for a way to experience greater refreshment in our lives. And I'm telling you, you can try it any way you want to. You can play keep away with God for as long as you want, but it isn't until you return back to him that you will find the refreshment you need and desire. In Genesis 1, the very beginning, we're told that we are created in the image of God, that you were created by God and for God and like God. And with the entrance of sin, that that image, it, it may be tarnished and cracked, and we've strayed from its original intent because of it. And we've been playing keep away with God our whole lives. But in his love, you know, God could be like me with Louie, right? Eventually, I just kind of, whatever, dude, I'm out of here. I'm going to go eat some crackers. Like, that could be God, but it's not God. What does God keep doing? He keeps calling. Just bring the ball back. Just come back. Just come back. He sends his son Jesus, and he says, come back. Come back. What you're looking for is right here. It is a free invitation. Just come back. He's calling us to return to him, our master and our creator. He's calling us to repent, not because he's mad at us, not because he can't stand us anymore, or he wants to punish us, he's calling us to repent because he loves and he desires a relationship with us and he wants you to experience the refreshment you're searching for in your life. Romans chapter 2 says it this way. Paul says, don't you see how wonderfully kind, tolerant, and patient God is with you? Does this mean nothing to you? Can't you see that his kindness is intended to turn you from sin? 
Is it, does Paul say, is it his anger that wants you to turn from your sin? Is it his disappointment in you that makes, you, makes him want you to turn? No, no, no. It says it's his kindness. It's his love. It's his patience that calls you to turn back to me. Refreshment is on the other side of repentance every single time. And it's God's kindness that is leading you there. Turning your, from your sin and turning to God is the beginning of restoring what once was. And listen, this is not a one-time thing. If you've been a Christian for any length of time, you know that repentance is a daily calling that we are asked to be part of. Repentance is this ongoing act of trust and faith in God. In fact, all of us, no matter if this is your first time in church or you know, if you've spent the rest of your, the whole life following Jesus, all of us are called to repentance. All of us are in need of refreshment every day, every week, every month, every year. You know, this, I mentioned earlier this past Wednesday, many of us gathered to recognize Ash Wednesday, which marks the beginning of the season of Lent. And the purpose of Ash Wednesday is to spend time acknowledging our own sin and ask for forgiveness. It's an opportunity to live into a season of repentance, intentional repentance leading up to Easter Sunday, to remember that we are created in the image of God and that we are being called back to him. Return to me. So as we enter the remainder of this season of Lent, I want to ask you to ask yourself, in what ways is God asking you to return back to him? Where have you been playing keep away from God? Where have you been caught in sin and haven't noticed or you've just simply ignored it? I mean, it could be something you're doing. It could be something you're choosing not to do. Either way, God's Kindness right now in this moment is calling you to return to him. Stop playing and keep away. Trust me, you won't find what you're looking for as long as you keep away from me, but instead return back to me. Why? Because refreshment is on the other side of repentance. Listen, God is not mad at you. Oh, I'm so, I'm so sick of hearing people think and talk about how God is mad at people. He's not mad at people. He's not mad at you, especially if you've been playing keep away with him. Jesus says, listen, I'll leave all y'all, and I'll go get the one who's playing keep away. That's how much I love that person. We should love people in the same way. And as Romans 2 says, he is kind, and he is patient, and he's tolerant. He's gently calling you to repentance, not so he can punish you, but so he can refresh you. Man, I don't know about you, but I... I want the refreshment of God to soak deeply into the soul of my being. Peter says, it's there. It's just on the other side of repentance. And if you've been playing keep away your whole life, God is still calling. Come back. Return. I love the words of Jesus in Matthew chapter 11. And particular in the message version, which is a bit of a paraphrased version of the scriptures. And Jesus says these words to his disciples and to those who were listening on that day. He says, are you tired? 
worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Like Peter says to the first listeners in Acts chapter 3, Jesus says, refreshment is on the other side of repentance. Come back to me. Return to me. Get away with me. Recover your life. And so this morning, I invite you to turn. Go back to him. Maybe for the first time, maybe you've been playing keep away your whole life, and you hear the voice of God today saying, come to me. I will give you rest. I will give you refreshment. I cannot emphasize enough the importance of that opportunity. Listen to his voice this morning. Discover real rest. Live lightly and freely. Turn from your sin. Turn to Jesus. Be reunited with your creator and the one who brings refreshment to your soul. I can't tell you what that looks like exactly. It may mean that you need to drop the ball and go back God to return back to him. It, it may simply mean that you've just lost sight of who Jesus really is, much like the Jews lost sight of who Jesus really is, and you need to return back to what the scriptures say about Jesus. Not what everybody else says, but what the scriptures say about Jesus. Whatever it might be, God is calling you this morning to repent and be refreshed. Refreshment is always on the other side of repentance. We receive that this morning. Let's pray. Lord, it's often difficult for us to think of repentance as this beautiful image of us responding to the call of your voice. But this morning, I pray that you would reframe that for us that today and in the coming days and years that we would see repentance not as an obligation or as a thing we have to do or, or something that's supposed to shame us or punish us, but as an opportunity to experience greater refreshment in our lives. Sin is holding us back, God. It is holding us back from experiencing you and your fullness, from experiencing life in its fullness. And I pray, God, that through repentance this morning, would call us back, that we would return to you, our master, our creator, who created us in your image to renew and restore and refresh us. Thank you. Thank you that in your love and in your kindness, you're calling us. Thank you in your love and your kindness and in your grace and in your mercy, you sent Jesus to live in a way we could never live, to die a death we deserve, and to be raised again three days later to allow us to experience the refreshment and new life that comes only in him. I pray we hear the voice of Jesus this morning saying again, come to me, and I'll give you rest. What you've been looking for is only found in me. May we return to you again. It's in Jesus' name we pray.